the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Welcome to the show. Again, if you, if you haven't listened to the show in the past, it's in a couple of different parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, that's avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, we're trying to save assets from nursing home bills. Now, the second part of the show, and it's never in equal parts, we talk about history, politics, religion. I guess this weekend we're going to be talking about politics, and we have, you know, we're going to be talking about a book out, they're not listening, and we're going to be talking about a congressional candidate from Pennsylvania who's an African-American running for Congress on the Republican line, Kathy Barnett. But in the meanwhile, you know, if you have any questions, you want to email us any questions. Beth, what, what's our email? All right. This is our email. AskMikeConnors at gmail.com. AskMikeConnors at gmail.com. And remember, Connors is C-O-N-N-O-R-S. Okay, and please ask whatever question you want about estate planning elder law. And, you know, if you, if you send us a question that's not within our area, we'll try to get you to a lawyer who can answer that question. Again, what we do at Connors & Sullivan, we do estate planning and elder law. And I just mentioned what those things are about. Now, we're, our offices are now open. We're in phase two in New York City, so our offices are now open. So if you want to schedule an appointment to come in the office at uh, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. We have offices in Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and Manhattan. We do not charge for the first consultation. The initial consultation is free. We talk things over, and then you take it from there. And, you know, I know some people right now, you're still a little nervous about going out. So we can schedule a conversation by telephone. And if you if you want, we can sign your documents remotely. In other words, you can be at your home. You get on Skype or Zoom. Zoom. And then we, we can witness your documents where you're sitting in your home and we're sitting in our office. So if you want to learn how to do that, again, give us a call, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. And, you know, times are very tough right now. We know that. But one of the things I, I, I think time has taught us that everybody needs a will because you never know what's going to happen in in, in this world. 
And, you know, in regarding to that, you know, our engineer today is Lloyd. Lloyd, we got an email question. And what is it? So, yes, the question is, hi, Mr. Connors, can I, as a foreign national, do a will, pub attorney, and healthcare proxy, or should I do it? Should the person do it? Yeah. yeah. Well, everybody should have a will. Now, uh, again, you know, a lot depends on the status of the person, but really, you know, any person's located in the, in the state of New York can do a will, any person over the age of 18 of sound mind. So, yes. Now, what you want to have the will covered depends whether you own assets in one country or another. And, you know, that has to be taken into consideration. One of the problems we occasionally have, and this is usually uh, more with countries, English common law countries like England, Ireland, Canada, you know, somebody does a will to take care of their assets in Ireland and say, I leave my house, my farm in Ireland to my son. And then they come into New York, they do a will. And then in New York, they say, I revoke all previous wills and codicils. And all of a sudden, that will that was done in Ireland is revoked accidentally almost. So you got to be very careful when you're dealing with wills in two different countries. You got to make sure that your entire plan is carried out. So that's one of the things. But certainly, if you're a foreign national, if you have assets in the U.S., you certainly should have a will taking care of the assets. But even if you don't, you want to appoint an executor. You want to have somebody uh, in charge. If you pass away in New York, make funeral arrangements, whatever. Even if you don't have assets in New York and, and there's a possibility you may pass away in New York or you do have assets in New York, you certainly want to have a will. And at the same time, power of attorney, if you have bank accounts in New York, if you own real estate in New York, you should, definitely should have a power of attorney. If there's a family member out there you can trust or somebody to, to make financial decisions for you uh, in, in case you become incapacitated. So everybody should have a will. If you have somebody you really implicitly trust, you should have a power of attorney. Because one of the questions comes out, let's say you're traveling through New York, and I'm assuming you are in New York since you're thinking about doing a will here. You're in New York. God forbid you have a stroke, a disabling illness, you get hit by a car. The court may appoint somebody to oversee your affairs. Ordinarily, you want to choose the person. Now, in most cases, when we're talking to people, we're, we're recommending family first. Maybe that's not quite appropriate if you're a foreign national, but you know, you're an accountant. You assume you have assets over here. You're an accountant. Somebody you trust maybe even your lawyer in this case, but somebody that you can trust to handle your affairs if something happens to you. And, you know, now ordinarily the executor should be a U.S. citizen, or at least one of the executors should be a U.S. citizen, not convicted of a crime over the age of 18. Power of attorney is more broadly defined. You can have virtually anybody as power of attorney. And that's an extremely important uh, document. In case, God forbid, you have a stroke or another disabling illness, then the person on the power of attorney can manage things for you. Otherwise, again, the court may appoint somebody and you don't know what's going to happen. And especially the court may appoint somebody that's not maybe sensitive to your culture and your wishes. So it's always better for you to appoint the person. You can put in the power of attorney a clause that says uh, this power of attorney can only be used in the event a medical doctor or a psychiatrist who's been treating me certifies in writing that I'm not capable of handling my affairs in a competent manner. So you, if you want to put that restriction, in other words, it can't be used unless a doctor says that you're not competent to handle things. Healthcare proxy. That's the person to make medical decisions on your behalf if you can't speak for yourself. And again, somebody goes into a coma. Uh, they can't speak for themselves. The doctor wants to know whether he should operate, not operate, whether you should put the person on a feeding tube and in, intubate the person. The healthcare proxy, the person on the, the healthcare proxy can make those decisions, assuming the person that has the problem is not able to speak for himself or herself. 
So those are very important documents to have. And if you're in New York any period of time, I would strongly suggest you think about doing them. Now, again, if you have a will in your home country and your will really wouldn't cover anything in New York, uh, I, I don't know, maybe. But assuming you have assets in New York, you should have a will in New York. And if, if you have assets in New York, you should have a power of attorney. I have a question. Foreign national, um, is that an illegal alien? Is that someone that's undocumented here? I mean, you have people that are here. Maybe they've got their children are yeah. their assets. Well, a person, it, it, the law has nothing to say about your legal status. Okay. A person, you know, that's what it says, a person. It doesn't say an American citizen. doesn't say a person with a green card. Now, as far as executive is concerned, your primary executor, one of your executors, should either be a U.S. citizen or at the very least in New York have a green card with a New York residency to fully qualify as executor. Now, sometimes if you have relatives overseas and relatives here, we do something where somebody overseas is the executor along with somebody here in the United States who's a citizen. Is someone that's undocumented, will they get in trouble for doing a will? No, there's no way you're going to get in trouble for doing a will. I mean, that's just a basic human right, so to speak. Now, each week, Kevin McCullough takes one of our questions that are emailed. He asks that question for the benefit of his listeners, and you can hear Kevin Monday through Friday on 570 The Mission at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and at 5 o'clock on 970 The Mission. Of course, on Wednesdays, he has an extended hour uh, because of John Katsimatidis, so take it away. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Every week, I promise you, you'll get a direct answer uh, to a direct question that you may have asked of Mike Connors of Connors and Sullivan. And Mike, this week's question comes from Janet. She says, my parents live in New York and have five million in assets. If they were to die, we would not owe estate taxes. Is that correct, Mike Connors? Well, they will die right now at five million dollars. It is correct. You will not have to pay an estate tax in New York. Of course, they count some of the gifts you made within three years of death. So if you're close, I would do some plan. I would do some planning no matter what, because six million dollars in New York right now pays three hundred thousand dollars in taxes, and a lot of people own real estate; they have more than they think. So it's important to uh, build yourself some cushion. How would you suggest doing that, just on the elementary level? Well, one thing we can have a trust for two parts. So let's say if they have six million dollars in assets, husband leaves three million dollars, wife leaves three million dollars, and we get it under you know. Five point eight million without breaking a sweat. Uh, just by just by divvying it up into two different trusts. Right. Yeah. Or well, that seems that's 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 the part, uh, friend, that uh, they're going to help you see and find is that exact answer uh, to your problem when you call Connors and Sullivan. And uh, if you've got more questions, please send them to askmikeconnors at gmail dot com. That's askmikeconnors at gmail dot com. Uh, or you can call their office, 718-238-6500. If you call today, you can ask for a free appointment, have them help you go over your state plan and your uh, elder care instructions and all that you would like to see in your end-of-life uh, planning. 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. And uh, not only will uh, Mike Connors answer questions here each Thursday on Kevin McCullough Radio, but he'll answer them on his show uh, Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock on AM 570, The Mission, and Sunday mornings starting at 11 on AM 970. The answer. Mike Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? 
These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. You can listen to Kevin Monday through Friday on 570 The Mission, 3 o'clock, 3 p.m., and... Monday through Friday on five seventy the um, nine seventy the answer at five p.m. an extra hour extended hour from four to six with John Katsimatidis on Wednesday. As I mentioned before, you know we talked we did our little bit on about, about estate planning. We're going to start talking about politics right now, and you know our our next guest is Ryan Gaderski who has a book. You know they're not listening, and who's he talking about? He's talking about the elites in reference to Donald Trump. We'll take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank. NMLS number 403503. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit ccbq.org. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of S. Lawyer. Right now, our next guest is New York native Ryan James Graduski, and he has a book out. They're not listening. How the elites 
created the National Populist Revolution. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. Okay, so obviously the title gives you an idea, but what's the book about? So in 2016, when Trump won and Brexit happened, a lot of people sat there and wondered really what was national populism and why was it happening. And the media equated it to just, you know, angry white old people in Ohio or Northern England, and uh, it was not meant to be thought of much about. Well, I did some research and some data, and actually it's happening across the entire world. It's happening on every single continent. And the issues that are driving this, this movement on national populism are something that crosses racial lines, religious lines, nationality, ethnicity. And it's a movement really towards gaining back national sovereignty, reducing immigration, improving the quality of life of working class people. Um, and and um, those are the issues that are tying people across the globe worth paying attention to. All right. So you're, you're tying in, OK, Brexit. What Tell the audience, because, you know, obviously we don't have much of an audience in Great Britain. What, what was <laughs> yeah. the motivation for Brexit? So in so. The e, there's a thing called the post-democratic system. That's what I detail in They're Not Listening, how the elites created the National Populist Revolution. And that's basically when people go vote and they hold elections, but really all the mechanics happen afterwards the same as they did regardless of what happens to the election. And that is what happens with the EU. The EU is very much a post-democratic system. They don't really have a true democracy there anymore. And, um, and so under the EU laws and EU regulations, there was everything from the, uh, the, you know, the, how much toast, how much electricity your toaster used to how much, um, to, uh, if you could go fishing in certain regions of, of, of the North Atlantic. And this is something that the people of England had no say on. They had no control over. I think it was like 80% of all the laws, um, were created in Brussels. And they had no democratic uh, ability to sit there and change the laws. They couldn't vote for it. So that was one of the main drivers. The other main driver was immigration. You know, under the Shanghai Schengen Agreement, which is a law that erases the borders between nations within the EU, millions of people, mostly from Eastern Europe, came to um, came to the UK and one increased housing prices tremendously. As there's more people and there's fewer homes that increased prices, and secondly, started changing the culture over there. And they were getting very tired of the mass migration of people from Eastern Europe, um, as well as from other parts of the world. But Eastern Europe really had no filter to it whatsoever. They could come in droves, and as many can come as they want to come. And it, it, and if, you're, if you live in Poland, for example, or Hungary or Romania, you know, and you save a portion of your income, you could work in London and retire there and have a good life. But uh, you you absorb the welfare system. You absorb a lot of the um, the other uh, uh, byproducts of living in a very wealthy nation. You are uh, you know taking the jobs of lower class English people or English or immigrants immigrants into England who came in, uh, came into the country before them. So that was the main driver of why Brexit happened. And we see those kinds of trends today. It's issues of sovereignty, issues of immigration, issues of who gets to decide what laws happen and how does the bureaucracy respect the will of the, the, will of the people or, in this case, not respect it. Okay, now let me, you say post – I think it's worth another point. What's post-democracy, post-democratic? So post-democratic is where people go and vote and they have all the systems of democracy, but – the, but the bureaucracy, the uh, you know what some people call the deep state, what, what the you know the eternal mechanics of, of some of these capitals and some of these countries, 
um, they work regardless of what the elections happen. So, so in the instance of the EU, which I believe is, and I detail in the book, um, is a post-democratic system, means that there is no way to change portions of the EU. In, 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 in essence, um, you know, even if your country votes for a conservative legislator or a liberal legislator, um, the EU, uh, the former president of the EU even admitted to it. He goes, well, we'll just do whatever we want regardless of the election. And as long as no one causes that much of a fuss, we'll just keep going. And when the EU constitution was happening back in 2007, they started, they started saying, oh, we'll have the countries ratify it by a popular vote. Well, what happened? Ireland took a vote and France took a vote, and they both voted it down. So they stopped holding the, the national referendums on it to pass the constitution, and they just made the Treaty of Lisbon and passed it with just the signatures of, of different EU leaders and different leaders of countries. So they couldn't get their way through one way. They went through a different way. And, um, and they totally deterred actual democracy, actual democratic orders. And, um, and that's how they pushed through, you know, systematically country after country after country. And that's why countries now are considered leaving. It's not uh, radical to believe that, you know, a nation like Italy will be leaving the EU probably in the next 10 years. What other countries do you think will be leaving the, the EU? I think that countries in Southern Europe really have a position right now with the EU that is very, very detrimental. I think that the coronavirus and the, uh, the absolute devastation it had on Italy and the lack of help that they receive from any other country is, is startling. And if you look at right now the major political parties that are surging right now, Lega, which is Matteo Salvini's party, um, which is a national populist party, or the Brothers of Italy party, which is another national populist party, they're right now in first and third place, respectively. And it's not hard to imagine that they can get into a position where they can come create a governing coalition and leave the EU. Maybe Greece will, who knows, but I think that the Southern European countries are going to look at themselves uh, and, and how little between the refugee crisis a couple of years ago and the coronavirus um, that the EU doesn't give them a lot of economic stability. It doesn't allow them to govern, govern themselves as they wish, especially with migration. And they, uh, they're, they're getting a lot less than they would like. It's not like Eastern European, which is dependent on stopping the Russians from possibly ever invading. This is a situation where they, um, they, they, they don't really get a lot out of being in the EU, and the people are very tired of it. All right, well, let's get back to the states. We have an election year. How is the national yeah. populist revolution, how is it going to affect this year's election? Well, if you look at certain issues, um, you know, quite, the problem the problem with gauging this with all politicians is that Donald Trump is, you know, bigger than politics himself. He's the biggest, uh, you know, image in the world. And sometimes people look at him as a character and kind of forget about the issues. But if the issues are what matter, you have to remember – Trump got 5 million Obama voters in the Midwest to sit there and support him. And that's why he became president of the United States. It was because the fact is issues like bringing back home jobs from, from manu, uh, manufacturing jobs from China, um, uh, trying to build a border wall, trying to reform legal immigration and reduce legal immigration, not just illegal immigration, um, uh, stopping H-1Bs and the abuses in our, in, our, in our legal workforce system, our visa system. That is what really gave him the election, bringing home troops from Afghanistan. I think the problem Trump has right now is he's governed a lot more like Jared Kushner would like than, than like his voters would like at times. 
And that's part of the reason why he's having issues, mostly with white working class voters. And, and his Twitter account doesn't help the college educated voters. And those two issues are really affecting him negatively in his reelection bid. Because the election right now isn't a question of do you want Joe Biden or Donald Trump? It's a question of do you like Trump or do you not like Trump? And he needs to, in order to win this election, in order to be reelected, um, start governing more like his base wants him to in the five months that he has left and sit there and make it a referendum on Joe Biden and talk and get Joe Biden out there. Because right now, no one's seen or heard of Joe Biden in two and a half months. Let me ask you something. Post-2020, how do you think the, 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 the populist revolution, how is it going to affect American politics post-2020? Yeah, well, we're seeing it already starting. I think you'll see you seeing Marco Rubio and Josh Hawley talk about um, cracking down on on tech censorship. You're seeing uh, Marco Rubio talk about giving uh, uh, maternity leave out to women. That is a national populist issue. Is trying to promote family uh, uh, births and and family uh, and family support. Uh, you're seeing conversations by about China going on right now. Congressman Jim Banks, a Republican from Indiana, talking about how to crack down on China and bring back home manufacturing. Trump's changed the Republican Party because the Republican Party has moved away from like the Bush McCain era, and we're seeing it more and more and more creep into other congressmen and senators that are not Donald Trump. You've seen Ron DeSantis that they're in the governor of Florida. First thing he tries to crack down on is E-Verify to stop illegals from working in Florida. This would not have happened under a Jeb Bush governorship or under, you know, the Bush presidency of days gone by. It's a regular conversation on the right now about how to, uh, the Georgia Republican Party just just voted for, you know, that the, that the platform of the Georgia Republican Party is to reduce legal immigration. This would have never happened 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. It's radically transformed it because the Republican Party has realized that their base has changed um, and they need to change it with it. It does, we don't we don't represent the Koch brothers anymore, and it's much more Main Street than it is Wall Street. And I think that that is something you're seeing change happening now. Not there's no candidate that's gotten it like Trump got it. Trump understood on every level on immigration, on war, on trade. He got it. You're seeing some candidates get it a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit here and a little bit there. No one's really kind of put the the let's say a new uh, you know conservative stu- uh, th- uh, you know th- uh, stool together where they have uh, you know uh, three-legged stool together no one's done that much yet um, but they're getting the pieces together and you could see the GOP changing little by little here and there to sit there and and become more of a national populist party whether they like to or not and whether Washington likes to or not it's just moving there because that's where the voters are moving now how does COVID impact everything COVID was a perfect example of why we need national populism. I mean, look at our supply chains. We are, we are a nation that defeated the Nazis, the Soviets, and the, and the imperial Japanese, and we could not create ventilators or face masks in this country. This is a country that rebuilt the entire world, and we could not make our own face masks. It was pathetic. And so much of the – and, and we, were, we, were, you know, we were held at the knees – by, by Chinese manufacturing. In fact, I think it was the Pentagon a few months ago sat there and begged Mexico to start opening up their manufacturing because they couldn't build helicopters because all the parts are being built in Mexico. It's, um, it's horrifying when you look at our supply chain. Part of that is because of, of bad trade deals decade in and decade out that the, that the Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama legacies happened that neoliberals have pushed that I detail in the book. They're not listening. But it's also the fact that you um you have uh, a system where people want 
stronger national borders. They want to protect their own nation. They want to sit there and make sure that, you know, we, we have uh, stronger uh, checks. And, and now with mass immigration, with, with, um, with mass unemployment, rather, you have 40 million unemployed Americans and you have a system where we're still bringing in foreign labor. It's insane. We have 40 million unemployed Americans and we are still training H-1B and H-2B workers to sit there and replace American labor. And I think that those are the issues really that are going to catapulting America into the next year in its politics. Ryan, you know, why, why did you write the book? I think you're making a pretty good case for it. But why did you write the book and what do you hope to accomplish? Because so many people just didn't understand it. So much of the media derided it as sitting there and saying that it was just, you know, white reactionaries and angry white people and and it would go away on its own. And I think people need to understand the arguments. The book has over 700 citations and they're really well researched. And and I I try to sit there and say, if you're a supporter of national populism, well, here's the here's here's how I detail how you can explain it better to people who maybe don't understand it or understand why you have the arguments and the beliefs that you do. And also, but if you're an opponent of it, if you are a neoliberal, if you are part of the McCain wing of the, of, of the GOP or, or a liberal, this is there and explains why you're losing the culture, why you're losing elections after election after election around the entire globe. And if you don't want this future that you're afraid of, of, of more nationalism, well, here's how you stop it, by listening to the people. And that's why I detail it in the book, They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created the National Populist Revolution. Well, thank you for saying that. Ryan, good luck. You know, hope your book does well. Thank you well. so much for having me. And good luck to you. Come back with your next book. Thank you. Will do. Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for a free initial consultation. Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one strategy that fits everyone, but the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is no planning at all. Call Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law today to schedule a free initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Midtown Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500 or visit their website connorsandsullivan.com And, you know, this year, it's it's not just a presidential election. We we have senatorial candidates across the country, and we have congressional candidates. And every congressperson is up for election or re-election this year. And these elections are important. It determines the future of our country. And, and right now, we're very proud to have a candidate from Congress from, from Pennsylvania, Kathy Barnett. Welcome to Connor's Corner. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. So where are you from in Pennsylvania? Uh, I am running for Congress in the 4th Congressional District of Pennsylvania. Uh, that primarily comprises Montgomery County, which is uh, next door to Philadelphia. It's often considered the suburbs of Philadelphia. And what's the history of your congressional seat there? 
Well, it's been gerrymandered, uh, quite savage bureaucrat than not. Uh, it, um, and it's been this way for the past two years anyway, as far as the new redistricting um, that has taken place here. Um, I am the first black person to ever run for Congress in the county, not just the district. The district itself is about two years old. But for the, for the county of Montgomery County, which prizes the majority of it, I'm the first black person to ever run Congress here. Um, Montgomery County is the second wealthiest uh, county in the state of Pennsylvania as well. All right. Now, I, you know, I noticed you, you wrote a book, Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain being black and conservative in America. What is, what is the point of that book? What what are you trying to get across to the public? Uh, that just because I'm black, I'm not a Democrat. And it kind of walks through my journey of coming off the Democrat plantation. Um, you know, I, I talk extensively about my own upbringing, um, one of, you know, being very impoverished. Um, and yet not being told that I'm a victim, um, that all the odds are against me. And so because I did not have a victim mentality, I went on to first in my family to go and finish college. I spent 10 years in the U.S. Army Reserves, worked in the financial industry, corporate America, an adjunct professor of corporate finance. I speak to millions of people regularly. I authored my first book, and now I'm running for Congress. So I kind of walk through that journey uh, of my own personal life and, you know, me examining the various narratives that are often told to the black community um, about victimhood, about white privilege, um, about, you know, uh, systemic racism, for example. And then just kind of walking throughout life and, and my experiences and my interactions and the things that I've learned. And so it's my journey into thinking the way that I do today. What do you think are the main issues that the voters in your district are going to be concerned in? And, and how are you different from your opponent? Um, my opponent is uber liberal. Um, and that means something today, right? I mean, I am all for having differences of opinions. I think that is what keeps our society free and healthy. People having the ability to disagree and to vigorously debate the issues. And then on the other side, we come out, hopefully, a better nation, finding some common ground for the entire nation. Because I clearly do not believe that I have all the answers, and neither does another side. But we're now living in a society where it is either my way or no way. And if you don't think the way I think, you're going to be we're going to ruin your life. We're going to get you fired from your job. We're going to malign your children. And a lot of that arrogance and uh, just hatred and anger is coming from the very far left. And that is where my opponent sits on the very far left. She has proven herself to be uh, right alongside the squad. She votes roughly 90, 95% in line with AOC. So that is my opponent. So anything that is the antithesis of what it will take to keep America great, to allow everyone to thrive, uh, for everyone to enjoy liberty, 
uh, my opponent would be on the opposite side of that. And so we've seen that in a number of different things. You know, I would think you probably have a unique perspective on, on Black Lives Matter because black and conservative. What 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 is your perception? What should be done? You know, I mean, as far as policing is concerned, I mean, I am a black woman married to a black man and I'm raising black babies. I have a personal stake and how all of these conversations are played out. I have a personal stake at where we in the black community end up at the end of the day. My concern is that at the end of all of this mayhem, the end of all of the foolishness we've seen over the past several weeks, black people will come out on the other end having experienced peaceful protests, and um, listening to some pretty fine speeches. And we need to make sure we have more than that. Uh, I believe, I mean, there are opportunities in our policing. I do not believe the police, uh, the police as a system, as an institution is systemically racist. Uh, I believe that there are bad apples. I believe there are bad apples on Wall Street. I believe there are bad apples in bankers and across every other uh, aspect of life. Uh, but specifically, when it comes to the police department that uh, monitors certain communities, uh, there are disparities. And we can talk about those disparities as adults. We can come up with better solutions. Um, but I do not think that policing is the number one issue affecting the black community. I think one of the, the large, the bigger issue in the black community is that you have a, a lot of white liberals who come into predominant black communities to tell black people what their issues are. And then those same white liberals tend to go behind closed doors to address the black issue. And oftentimes you're hard pressed to find a black person in the room. You're also hard pressed to find a conservative thought in the room. You're also um, hard pressed to find uh, political competition in the room. They're generally very Democrat landlocked, whether it is white Democrats or black Democrats. You don't have new ideas, fresh ideas or competitive ideas. I believe that is uh, one of the largest issues the black community is experiencing and everything else we can talk about, whether it's the high father rate or whether it's high crime rate is a symptom of the fact that you have a product in an area where, where it's predominantly black do not have any real say in what their community looks like, uh, what programs are coming into their community, what are some of the ways to resolve the issues in the community. And so that's the primary issue. But I believe white liberals, mainly white liberals, obviously you have some black liberals as well, but generally uh, those with the power and who's moving this conversation of, uh, of forward, they recognize that this nation has a history with slavery and that this nation has a very bad history in the past of dealing with black people. And the equality issue and the full inclusion issue, they recognize that. And the primarily white liberals are willing to use that in order to accomplish their greater goal, which is to get in power, uh, which is to exclude all other thoughts and to ultimately redefine this nation. And so I believe right now what we're experiencing primarily is the black 
community and America's history being used as a tool to give them what they want, which is ultimate control. Let's change the subject a little bit. You spent 10 years in the United States Army Reserves. I think that's probably an excellent training and background for somebody in Congress. Uh, what what did you do in the military, and, and how do you feel your military background helps you be a better representative for the people in Congress? When I was getting ready to graduate from boot camp, uh, 18 years old, and I was getting ready to graduate, and I'm walking my own business, and then I had the thought, uh, I could be called off to war. Now, I wasn't signing up to be in the military because I wanted to go to war. I signed to be in the military probably because I wanted money for school. Um, and uh, But I had that epiphany. And granted, I should have had that epiphany before I signed up to be in the military. But nonetheless, I remember having that thought. is like, oh, my goodness, I could be sent to war, lose my life, or come back maimed. Would I do that? And, you know, after some thought, I said, yes, I would um, go. If I was called, I would go and defend this nation. But in order for me to do that, I remember having the very clear thought that I must learn about my country. And so from the age of 18 to today, several decades later, I have been on the journey of, of learning the good, the bad, the downright ugly about this nation as well as the opportunities um, and, and those things that make this nation the greatest nation that has ever existed. Um, I've taken the time to, you know, to read, to understand, to consider, um, and to uh, align my life uh, with that level of understanding. And it all started with me going into the military. I don't know if I would have had that epiphany and desire to truly understand now what exactly could I be laying my life down for? <laughs> Maybe I want to get a better understanding of what that is, and that all started uh, with me being in the military. What 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 kind of uh, occupation did you have in the military? What was your MOS? Yeah, uh, I was a 71 Lima and then moved over into finance. Uh, my one of my first uh, units that I was uh, a part of was the CID, the Criminal Investigation Detachment, and in that particular detachment, uh, we were in reserve, and so uh, so everyone who was in there, except for my one other, was worked in the civilian world uh, in the law enforcement arena in some fashion, right? Whether they were judges or police officers or DA, investigators, FBI, but they all work in law enforcement. And so being able to spend time, and, and, and again, I was the only black person um, in the unit, and I was youngest by at least two decades. And, um, and yet, you know, having that experience of working alongside these men and to get, a, again, a different picture um, of law enforcement, because again, growing up in the black community, uh, you know, it's, it's the same theme. What we're hearing today, I heard when I was a child, uh, and so now I'm working alongside these men, and again, I'm learning a different a different perspective. I'm getting to know these individuals and the and the stress and the stress they and their families are under, um, and you know, I'm just hearing stories. Me better acquainted, you know, opening up my horizon, and uh, and again, that was 
when I was, you know, being in the military gave me that experience. And I think all of those things and so much more, you know, uh, make someone like myself, um, you know, fit for Congress going in and understanding that, you know, being divisive, uh, putting a stake in the ground and either you do like I say or else I'm going to cancel you out. It just doesn't work. And it hasn't been working for us as a nation, specifically over the past four years. Uh, we are no better off by being all enraged and not listening to the other person. Well, let me ask you something. If somebody out there, they want to learn more about your campaign, where do they learn? What's your website? You can go to Kathy Barnett for Congress.com. Kathy Barnett for Congress.com. Okay. And, and you know, in, in the final minute we have right now, what what do you think is the, the most important issue in your congressional district? Oh, my goodness. There's so many. Uh, one is getting these career politicians out. I mean, our country is in trouble. I mean, I can talk about COVID, and you can go to my website, KathyBarnettForCongress.com, and we're putting out our issues. We have a China pivot. China must pay. We have reopening um, Pennsylvania, uh, our, you know, um, across our county, like so many others, like in New York, for example. You know, there are still industries that are not fully open, um, and the impact that that is ha ha having on people's lives. Uh, we can talk about that. We can talk about securing our borders. We can talk about a whole host of things, but I think none of it matters. If we as Americans don't realize that um, our nation is in trouble. This is like no other time, not in my lifetime anyway. Um, our nation is seriously in trouble. We have a group of people who are now within the government who are not just at the federal, but even state and local, who have an agenda of completely upending our Constitution. And America does not exist apart from our Constitution. You take away the Constitution, America is like, is, is, there's no difference from us than any other nation. It is our Constitution, our sense of law and order, our sense of right and wrong that make that has made us the greatest nation that has ever existed. And when you begin to challenge that, remove that, pick and choose which laws you want to obey and which ones you don't, uh, it, 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 it destroys everything. And we need to real fully understand that our nation is in trouble and we need to do more than vote. We need to make sure good candidates are viable and that good candidates can make it to the end on November 3rd and can still be standing strong. Kathy Barnett for Congress, 4th Congressional District, Montgomery, Pennsylvania. Thank you for being on Connor's Corner. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, and good luck in the election. Thank you. The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. 
I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home. If you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. I have children. How can I protect them if something happens? Will my assets be lost if I go into a nursing home? We have property. How will it affect the ones still here? Who will help us take care of Grandma? These questions can be answered by calling 718-238-6500 for a free consultation from Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, providing dedicated, caring, and highly responsive legal services. They're focused on issues that matter to you, protection of your family, preservation of your assets, and respect of your wishes with dignity. That's all I want from a lawyer, making it easier for my children. Call 718-238-6500. Get a free consultation. Connors & Sullivan's clients don't get lost in the cracks. They have dedicated attorneys who know their clients and the issues that matter most to them. Connors and Sullivan's estate planning, elder law, and probate attorneys work closely with every client. Don't leave behind problems for your family. Call 718-238-6500 and get a free consultation today. Connors and Sullivan, plan now for later. Hopefully, Kathy Barnett will be in Congress next year. Now, it's the July 4th weekend. Let's have a safe weekend out there. It's going to be hot, everybody, um, hot in the New York City. I hope everybody just loves their neighbor. I know people say that all the time, but there's too much anger. Just stop it. Um, Care about the person next door and don't riot. Don't loot. Don't be mean to policemen. Don't be mean to anybody. Um, I don't know. I don't think too many of our listeners are being mean to anybody. Well, I hope they're not, but maybe, maybe they know people that are being mean and maybe just walk over to that mean, mean person and hug them. I'm sorry. I'm so sad about all of this. You know, about 10 years ago was our first broadcast on 970, the answer. And it was on July 4th weekend. And we had the immortal Ed Bars on our show. He was talking about the battle of Gettysburg because the Battle of Gettysburg was July 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 1863. So he talked about that battle. And I think at the time it might have been the 150th anniversary of the battle. But uh, again, we were just talking earlier. Maybe we're going to dig up some of the Ed Bars oh, interviews in the past. Oh, please. What we should, should we, you know, I, I think the last couple, we did, we did the Battle of Atlanta. Tom Sweeney. And Tom Sweeney. Tom Sweeney. Yeah. So we have to look at the archives. Lloyd, let's look at the archives, and maybe next week we'll play a, uh, you know, an Ed Bars, one of the, the back yes. ones for Ed Bars. Do we have the Ed Bars doing the Battle of New Orleans? Oh, I my I think goodness. we do. Yeah, because, you know, Ed Bars, the Battle of New Orleans, the main part of the battle took about 20 minutes, but it took Ed Bars about 40 minutes <laughs> to go through the battle from, you know, beginning to end because he had to tell us what was going on on the left front flank 
what was going on in the center and what was going on in the right flank. So, you know, by the time he consolidated all, he explained the battle of 20 minutes and 40 minutes. <laughs> but, and, and you know, one of the things too, and it's hard to explain because it's on radio, but I mean, years ago when Ed Bars would do, and even now, I guess, but he's not doing a lot of speaking engagements, but even years ago when he's doing his speaking engagement, you know, he would say something like on September 17th, 1862, or on July 3rd, 1863 at approximately 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Well, he never used any notes. He was going <laughs> off his memory. And if you saw him in person, you could almost see like he was reading the battlefield report. He'd close his eyes and read the battle, he'd read the battlefield <laughs> report in his mind. You could see him do it. He'd close his eyes and he'd read the report from That's his right. photographic That's memory. Right. Although he said his memory isn't photographic, it's just he remembers what he wants to remember. <laughs> so I, I, I what think... What a treasure. Yeah, I think we should probably get you know, Ed Barr's back on. And those of you who remember Ken Burns' Civil War, and I think most of you like history, you remember Ken Burns' Civil War. Ed Barr's and Shelby Foote were the two main speakers. Shelby Foote was the guy with the Southern drawl. Ed Barr's was the guy with the booming voice. And of course, he, he I don't know, he maybe was 65 back then, and he's over 95 now. Remember, he was one of the, he's possibly the only living person to see the 1933 All-Star Game. Here we go, baseball. Yeah. So Don't bring was, that up. That's sad. We got to get some of our old baseball archives up, and maybe we'll we'll play one of the, you know, That's baseball good players. That's you know? good too. Yeah, we have a lot of interviews with all baseball players, and you know, I have no idea right right now what's going on with our YouTube, but we have a lot of interviews up there <laughs> with old baseball players, old historians, um, different political personalities, old movie actors, Clue Gulliger, L. Q. Jones. Uh, Patrick Wayne talking about his father, John Wayne, and his own career. It is amazing how many people you've had on the show that I had crushes on when I was little. You're doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and those of you, you know, remember, uh, Clue Googler was just in, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Very small part. The old library. But I guess Quentin Tarantino was giving him a little bit of a, a homage. You know what? We should... Uh, Quentin Tarantino... Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. Right. Doing a good job. All right. We'll be back next week. Remember, Connors and Sullivan is open. Please give us a call at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Bye-bye, everybody. On hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.